and we're at the point now where we're looking at nurseries for Ezekiel and it's always been so important to both of us that he goes to a nursery that's inclusive. Welcome to Precarious Parenting, the podcast series for people feeling overwhelmed by family life in general. Do you often wonder whether you're doing it right? Or do you wonder whether it's okay to be just a good enough parent? My name is Marie Arimar, founder of Realisation Works, guiding young people and parents back to clearer thinking. And this podcast series provides the opportunity to hear real people sharing real stories about how they manage to see beyond their overwhelm. Today I'm with my friend Aku Clement and Aku and I met in 2016 when I did some work at the University of Exeter and uh, I just, I was in the same team as her and this woman walked into this meeting and she was vibrant, gorgeous, articulate and intelligent and I thought wow and I've thought that ever since. And I thought, when I do this podcast series, I have to have a conversation with Aku. So, hello, Aku. I've really set the bar there, haven't I? I know. What a lovely introduction. That's so sweet. <laughs> so, Aku, tell me, tell me about your home and work setup. Give us a quick description of who you are. Okay. So, um, like you said, we used to work together at the university. So, I'm still a manager there, but at the moment, I'm on maternity leave. Um, just had my first child with my husband, John, and we had a little boy last year, Ezekiel. Um, and we live in Plymouth, so I commute to Exeter whenever we're working. Um, and yeah, at the, at the moment, I'm on maternity leave, um, potentially going back to being a full-time worker. Um, and it's just John and I down in Plymouth living our little life. Um, he's an architect down here. Um, and yeah, we're just living that little Devon coastal life. So tell me about your cultural background and tell me about your your early childhood because I know you, you've you mm. lived in different places. Yeah, so culturally, so I, I was born here. I was, born, well, I was born in Wales, down in the valleys. Um, my, my family is of Ghanaian heritage. Um, so my mum and dad are Ghanaian and a couple of my siblings were born there as well. And then one other sibling was born in Leeds. Um, we've kind of lived all over, really. So for me, I've always been, lived in the UK, um, but a brief time of my life when I was a baby, like early years, we lived in Gloucester and in Saudi Arabia. So my dad is a doctor and he was based out there in Saudi for about 12 years, I think. Um, and we kind of lived between Saudi and Gloucester um, until we eventually moved to Plymouth, I think, in, in the early 90s. Um, I must have been about 12 or 13 at the time. Um, so, yeah, we've kind of lived all over. So Ghana, Saudi and the UK, um, just in various places, really. Um, a, lovely, a lovely cultural yeah. mix. Yeah, definitely. And it, it was a fantastic childhood. You came across so many people, especially when we were in Saudi. Um, there's a big Filipino community that we used to hang out with all the time. Um, a nice African community as well. Yeah, it was, it was brilliant times, actually. It's really good. Wonderful. And so now life in Plymouth. So the majority of your life has been in Plymouth as a yeah. uh, sort of young teen, really, I suppose. Mm. So tell me about your 
your social mix in Plymouth. You know, I I guess you met John down there. You know, what, what's it been? What has it been like as a Ghanaian young woman growing up in in Devon? Um, it's, it's so different, so different to when we were living in Gloucester. So Gloucester, it, it, certainly in the area that I grew up in, was full, so full of, of black people, a real mix of black and white people, actually. Um, and when I was in primary school, my friendship groups were black and white kids. It wasn't just me um, solo as the black person. But then when we came to Devon, it was it was quite clear that we really were at that time one of the only black families living in the city, um, and it for years it was it was that way. We just didn't really come across many other other um, black or African um, faces. Um, I mean, I when I went to school, I, so I, I went to a really really good school, um, and all the friends I have now are the friends I made when I was at that school um so a really close-knit group of, of I think there's like 12 of us so we've all been friends for what 20 odd years um but I am the only person of color in that group well bar one other who's who's mixed race um I'm, I'm the only one who's who's outwardly quite evidently you know in inverted commas different um so the social mix for me has always just been me with with my white friends never felt anything awkward about it never felt like I was necessarily lacking anything um just always had a a lovely wonderful close group of friends who you know we've been there for each other through every possible life event um and even now they are the women I'm with constantly all the time um you know John John grew up quite differently he's a Yorkshireman He's only been living in, in Plymouth, I think, for six or seven years now. Um, and we actually met online. So that's how our, our love affair began. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, pretty sure I'm probably the only black person he came across until that point, really, in terms of, in a romantic sense anyway. Um, and yeah, I think we've been together, what, five, six years now? Married for almost two um, so, so my my ter- my life growing up and my social mix and my romantic life has mostly been with white people. Um, never really been a thing to to be necessarily aware of, unless you know when you're growing up as a as a young woman, um, you want to go on your holidays with your mate. Um, you want to go, you know, do your Ibiza thing, do your Ayanapa thing. Um, my friends and I went to Ayanapa, I think three years in a row which is quite a sad thing to admit <laughs> we, we loved it at the time um you never really think about your differences until you go somewhere that's unfamiliar when you're on unfamiliar territory and I remember being on holiday in Ayanapa and the taxi driver being quite rude about black people really? um, and using derogatory terms and stuff and all of us being so tense in the taxi and thinking I don't know how to address this because even I I didn't know how to address it. I didn't know what to say um and just staying quiet and just you know thinking I hope this taxi ride ends soon so like, we can just get out yeah and we'd get out and then the day would just carry on as normal and I would sit there thinking about it stewing on it but not knowing how what to say yeah. because it's not something 
you know, down down in Plymouth, yeah, people know that you're different, but at that point, no one no one would say anything outward. Um, I'd never really had anyone say anything negative to me face to face. I don't know what people you never know what people say behind your back, but face to face, I've never been confronted with it. But as an adult, you're confronted with it. Um, people become more bold when you're when you're grown up. But growing up, it was never a notable thing. Um, there are some holidays I've 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 turned down because I thought mm, I don't really want to go there. It's it's not for black folk. <laughs> I know I'm going to be uncomfortable when I get there. Sorry, Aki, I just spoke over you. How do you make that decision uh, about whether you would go to a country or not? So typically, if someone mentions a place, I will just, I'll be like, oh, that sounds interesting, la, 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 show some kind of interest. But then I'll go and do my research. I'll look online. And actually, you will find that a lot of like, people, when we're going away, one of the first things we'll probably Google is, what's racism like in this country? Or you know, what's the black population like in this country or diversity? It doesn't have to be a black population, but what's diversity like in this country? Um, and so there, there are some places you just won't go because why put yourself in for that? You know, you want to go on holiday to have a nice time, not to, not to feel affronted every time you leave your hotel. Yes. <laughs> like, like the Ayanapa, you know, which is, yeah. which, which sounds to me like, well, it's, it's obviously it's, racial abuse but it's bullying isn't it you know to yeah. to, to do that with a, a bunch of young women in a enclosed taxi uh, uh, have you found that I suppose we're going back to to Devon I suppose but have you found that that you've had to, I don't really know how to ask this question but there have been filters through your life that you have to that you're aware of have you have you ever had situations where you you're second guessing people Oh, for sure, absolutely. And and sometimes something will happen and it's not until you walk away that you think, hang on, did they just say that to me and that was actually offensive? Because in that moment, I think for me, when I when I look at people and when I talk to people, I'm not looking at them thinking they are thinking something negative about me. I'm just I'm just interested in the conversation. I'm just interested in, in you know, how we're meeting each other and, and how we're laughing together. But sometimes you have a conversation and you walk away and you think, that was off, actually. And I should be offended by that. Mm. Because I think the thing is that with UK and racism and difference, it's actually quite intelligent. Mm. <laughs> so it's intelligent to the point where you have to second guess it. You have to step back and think, no, that was a very clever way of t- them telling me something negative. America is very open about it. It's direct. It's in your face. There's no denying it. There's no getting away from it. But it's it's very different in Devon. There's a lot of PC um, politeness about racism and difference and diversity um, to the point where sometimes, sometimes it's not done intentionally. Mm. You know, sometimes people go above and beyond. They, They do too much. To show that they are okay with you being my best a friend's person. a black person. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. I'm not racist. My friend's black, and um, or I'm not racist because I, you know, I enjoyed watching Coming to America um, with, you know, Eddie Murphy. I like black comedians, that kind of thing. Mm. <laughs> so, 
sometimes it, it's it's sweetly intentioned but it's still like oh come on you told yeah. me a story once um about uh when your family your parents were over and you went to a steakhouse yeah <laughs> i went to a steakhouse um it's actually i think it was me and my sister and, and then um a close family friendship group oh. um and their kids and we all live in plymouth um and we thought we'll go down everyone had been raving about this this steak restaurant so i thought oh let's go let's go down there so we went down walked in and it was literally all eyes it's like all heads just spun all in one go and just fixed their eyes on us and i think what's that a group of six people six black people just walked into a restaurant and all eyes just went boom staring straight at you and you know the, the the waitresses didn't know what to do they can they didn't even come forward they kind of just stood still looked at us looked at each other and then they they just didn't move and it, it must have been 10 seconds but in that 10 seconds all of us adults the four of us adults looked at each other and we were like yeah no we're not, we're not staying and we just turned around and left just think oh come on i can't even go out for a simple lunch um yeah it's just it was just daft but we just thought yeah this isn't the place for us (laughs) yeah well I can I can I can see that I can see that so Ezekiel's uh just turned nine months yeah he's beautiful I've I haven't seen him face to face yet but I've seen him online oh yeah yeah, yeah. I've seen him online and I just wanted to talk to you about you know what your hopes and aspirations for him um he's he's mixed race john's white yep. yeah and what are your i don't really want to say the word fears but you know what are your mm. hopes aspirations fears for for ezekiel as a mixed race child in in plymouth i i guess my hopes and my hopes and fears for him would be the same as any parent you know regardless of, of what their race is you hope that your child grows up in a happy environment you hope that they enjoy themselves, that they find good friends and, you know, that whole cookie cutter of that they fall in love and they go on to have a lovely family themselves and they're financially stable and everything like that. And I truly hope that for him. I hope nothing more. Um, in this current climate where, where race is such, it, it's come back up into the fore. Um, and I think people are, at the moment, I think people are wondering, why is it such a big thing at the moment? It's always been a big thing. It's just that now people are actually listening. Um, people are actually paying attention. Um, and the last, you know, month or so with the whole Black Lives Matter movement, it's forced me to confront a lot of of experience I've had growing up and the friendships that I hold and wondering whether the friendships I have truly support me, not just as a woman, but as a black woman. And I think for Ezekiel, I hope that the friendships he goes on to have in his life and the experiences and his work and whatever profession he chooses to go into, that he's walking in there and being seen purely as a man of ability, a man of intelligence, and not a man of who is other with ability, other with intelligence. Mm. I don't want them to look at him and be like, well, he's good because... He, he's mixed or he's handsome because he's mixed mm. I want none of I, he's handsome because he's handsome you know because he's a, a I'm very biased but he's a very beautiful boy 
and I want that to continue for him for his life I don't you know growing up I was always pretty as a black girl or I was well spoken for a black girl I don't want any of those positives but here's the negative also or negative here's the positive also um and I want him to really be confident and proud of his heritage and but also know his full heritage you know black British history to me wasn't really a thing it, it was always just British history I had to go off to search or what's the black element of of British history because I am British mm. I have Ghanaian heritage but I was born and raised here mm. you know do I belong where am I in Britain's historical information and I want Ezekiel to know where he belongs, where he came from. Because yes, he, he, he has gone in lineage, but both his parents are British. And I want him to know that my mum, my mum's side of things is just important as my dad's side of things. Um, and to not, not be, I guess to not, to, to always just basically be proud of himself. Um, and to ha- have strong enough conviction to stand up for things that are right, you know, um, stand up to people who try to tell him that he's not complete or that he's lacking in some kind of way, um, have enough resilience and backbone to communicate who he is and just stand firm and stand proud of that as well. So the same hopes that any parent would have for their child mm. um and i guess I, I want him to walk around with less not necessarily anger than i've walked around with and i want him to walk around with being less questioning of people than i than i do um i did and do you know i want him if he's receiving a compliment to be like is, is that compliment genuine or is it because they see me as a bit different and they want me to feel like they're okay with that difference currently Ezekiel's white passing and what that means is you would if if, if I weren't with him to somebody else he'd just look like a a, a white child he's very very light-skinned he's got very soft curls um you wouldn't necessarily know that he was mixed race as he grows, his colour might darken. Um, his hair texture may change. Um, so people's view of him might might be different. Um, I remember when I was pre- pregnant, people always say, oh, he's going to be so beautiful. You're going to have this beautiful caramel child. And I would always say, he would be beautiful. I didn't know I was having a boy, but I'd say, he'd be beautiful, whatever he comes out with. You know, if he, if he was full black, he'd be beautiful. If he was full white, he'd be beautiful. If he was Indian, if he was whatever, he'd be beautiful. Mm. Because he's a new child coming into the world. Mm. Um, but there's always that, you know, aspect of people think he's better because he's mixed and his colouring will be more pleasing to the eye. Um, and that's something that I want him to grow up without. That, that kind of view needs to be taken away. You know, colourism is such a massive thing anyway. Um, I just want him to grow up to be appreciated for who he is without people trying to pity him or, or whatever, because he doesn't, doesn't need any pitying. No, I think, he'll, be, I think, he'll be good no matter what. 
I think that that's a really good point and it's so eloquently said and 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 I think I wouldn't have used the word caramel but I think mm. I probably would have either thought that or said that to you mm. and the, the th- I know one of the things that you had because you and I have talked you know when we used to share an office I'm we worked very, very hard. <laughs> we did have some great conversations. And I know that you always welcome an honest discussion, you know, ask always. questions. Uh, and I know that I've always felt that way with you. It's like I want to ask something. So when yeah. you were planning to get married, I wanted to know what, what's a Ghanaian wedding ceremony like. You know, let's just ask. Let's yeah, learn ask from question. each other. Exactly. And I think it's really interesting listening to you talk because we sometimes we try and people please. So we try and mm-hmm. say the things that we want somebody to hear. And sometimes we're clumsy. And I, and I know that um, I, I can be clumsy with the best intention ever. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's really, it's really interesting. But I think that's, that's a good point. You know, be, even when you're being clumsy about it, you can see the intentions are good mm. from that person, you know, and it, and I think it's so important to have the conversation. It, it's, it can be an uncomfortable, but I think when you're avoiding the conversation, that's worse because you're making it into a bit of an elephant in the room situation and you'll never know truly where that person stands or the experiences that they've had, you know. Um, I'm having those conversations now with my friends. You know, we know the ins and outs of each other, but they actually don't know a lot of my how I live in terms of a black life in for want of a better a word because my how I live indoors is different to how I am out and about you know there are languages my my parents speak there are foods we eat in this household I've been had to introduce to John because these are foods that I'm going to be cooking for us as a family moving forward you know um have the conversation yeah I think if you're looking to to change the mindset of people um, and have communities that are diverse and mixed, you've got to be open to having the conversation. And there's no shame in acknowledging that that person is black, that person's Indian, that person's disabled, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, see that I'm black, I'm proud of it. I don't see why you shouldn't be, you know. I'm not ashamed of it. Yeah. Um, see it, acknowledge it, ask questions. Yeah. It's interesting. And, and the flip side is uh, on Father's Day, we in our household, we sat around the table and uh, got two grown up um, stepsons at home. And, mm-hmm. and we had a really great conversation about um, the, the, the whole topic of race at the moment. And actually, we ended up saying, well, if you don't have the conversation, we end up making assumptions. And those assumptions yeah. can be really dangerous because they're usually oh, wrong. They're usually wrong. Yeah. So what I wanted to just ask you is... Um, What's inspired you recently about uh, the, the, the path that Ezekiel's going to take in Devon? What, what do you see around you where you think, yeah, this is, th- that, you know, that the anti-racism is mm. alive and well? Um, what has inspired me? So two big things at the moment. So with Black Lives Movement being brought up into the limelight a lot more across across the entire world everyone is so much more aware of race um, and the oppression that black people have faced for however many years hundreds of years 
And it's getting to the point now where it's, it's being spoken about daily. It's constant. And now people are vying to have Black British history taught in schools, as it should be, because it's been omitted and it needs to be, you know, put in there. Um, and it's it's forcing people to confront their friendship groups and, and the people they follow online and, and what might be lacking, um, in, you know, in, in terms of what they do daily. Um, and I think that's a real positive for me because it's showing, it's making people be a bit more inclusive um, and less afraid to be inclusive. Um, people that have been doing it secretly behind closed doors are now doing it loud and proud. Um, you know, I've got a, a few of my friends have, have children who are, I think, 11, 10, 11, 12 years old. And, you know, they're so aware of the world that they're living in now. Um, I think people underplay just how much children are aware of what's going on around them. And my friend's daughter, the school that she goes to, has, has I think she has a weekly newsletter, and they have the hot topics that are going on in the world in that newsletter. And one day they were going out, and her daughter came down, and she had a, a black square on her hand, um, and, a, and it said Black Lives Matter on it. And my friend was like, well, you know, what? Why have you got that on your hand? What, what are you doing there? And she she told her exactly what she why she had done that, and she she said, "I want to show people that you need to stand up for what is right, and I want people to know that I I believe in Black Lives Matter." Now, this is a, a young girl who probably doesn't have any friends of color, but she's bold enough to say, "This I don't think what's happening at the moment is right, so I'm going to show them the right way to do it." And for me, as a, as a new parent, I think that's fantastic because my son is going to be probably educated by that generation or socialising with that generation um, as they grow up. And when and when you know when you're when you have people who are aware of it now, it's only going to increase as they grow older. They'll they'll look more into history yeah. and have and have those questioning conversations with their parents. And we're at the point now where we're looking at nurseries for Ezekiel. And it's always been so important to both of us that he goes to a nursery that's inclusive, not even di- diverse. I'm talking about inclusive. So, yes, different races, but also different faiths, different physical abilities, different mental abilities. We want him to experience everything. And when we went into the nursery, it was so clear to see that that was the environment he'd be going into you know the, the names on the coat hangers where they hang their little coats were going to be uh, were the names I couldn't even pronounce I thought yes fantastic that's great um and you know it's even in the way that they pronounced his name when we arrived Ezekiel is a, is a biblical name it's not an African name it's not a you know biblical um but to hear them pronounce it correctly well yeah this is an environment I could happily welcome my son into um yeah, just educationally, we hope he's going to be walking into to areas that are inclusive, not just diverse. So, Aku, if you had a message for anybody else out there, parents of young children, you know, nine months and older, who are going on this journey with Ezekiel, what would be your message? Um, I think it's so important that as parents we educate ourselves so that we are able to then educate our children. Um, I'm obviously informed of, of black history, but it's, not, it's something that John hasn't really had to think about in his life. 
am fortunate that he is a man of integrity. So he, he takes himself off to, to purchase books and to, to, you know, read articles. But also to just say to me, oh, okay, like, did you know about X, Y, and Z? I didn't know that that, and that would have only happened, you know, or, or stopped 20 years ago. And be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, have those conversations with your partner so that you're prepared to be able to answer the questions that your children have when they come to you. And, and don't be dismissive of, of their, their questions. And that could be for race, sexuality, you know, anything at all. Be ready for their questions um, and be open to answering them, but also be open to saying, you know what, I don't know that. Let's look into it together um, and walk through that journey together. You know, um, I think that's so, so, so important. My hopes for him are, are the same as any parent would be, just happiness and hearts and flowers and love. <laughs> Thank you, that's lovely. That's that's such a great message for any parent anywhere. So thank you so much. You've been listening to Precarious Parenting by Realization Works. Subscribe to realizationworks.com to access more resources, including monthly blogs written to be shared with younger people.